This is the Ford Theater, an hour of radio drama presented by the Ford Motor Company, makers of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, and Ford trucks, tractors, and buses. Customary seats, the best in the house, of course, are yours again today. This afternoon, we shall hear Eugene O'Neill's Our Wilderness, a gentle comedy set in America's Age of Innocence, the incredibly remote years before the First World War, when most of us were young and some of us were gay. The year of the play, to be exact, is 1906, when Teddy Roosevelt was in the White House, when automobiles were horseless carriages. And the Gibson girl was the final word in glamour and grace. Where your radio cabinet now stands, it's possible to imagine a brass-rimmed family gramophone playing those cylinder-shaped Edison records. These, then, are the good old days. And this is the Ford Theater version of Our Wilderness. A promising young man, but at this period, somewhat mixed up in his mind about life and love and all that. Richard lives in a small New England town, which might very well be a small town anywhere. We meet Richard on an auspicious occasion. It's the glorious morning of the glorious 4th of July, 1906, and the hour is just past sunrise. Everyone of sense is still in bed, naturally. You see, don't you, Muriel, that this is a very grave moment? It's a very grave moment in our lives. Oh, yes, Dick. As a matter of fact, you could almost call it an awful moment. Awful? Richard Muriel, that's why I sneak out of the house at the crack of dawn just to meet you here on the beach so we... I'm using awful in the Elizabethan sense, Muriel. As Shelley would have used it. Meaning, full of awe. Oh. I hope my father isn't up yet. If he finds out I sneaked out to the beach before breakfast... Your father is insignificant, Muriel. In the scheme of things... Oh, excuse me. You do agree, don't you, Muriel, that it's important for two people who are going to be married when one gets out of Yale to see the sunrise together? Of course I do, Dick. Only... Only what? Well, couldn't we find a nice flat rock to sit on? Do we have to sit on such a pointy one? It's more significant to see the sunrise from a wild show. What are you thinking of right now, Muriel? Oh, I was wondering what my mother was going to make for breakfast. I didn't have time to eat before I met you. Breakfast? At this highly historic moment in our lives, you... Don't you care anything at all about life, Muriel? You know I do, Richard. Only I'm hungry. Oh. And if my father finds out I sneaked out to meet the you... The brave man has to give his life away. Give it like a royal heart. Let the price be nothing. What's that, Dick? Another poem? That's from Carlyle's French Revolution. You're terribly wild and free, aren't you, Dick? Oh, not so much. 
Well, I guess we better start for home before your folks begin worrying about you. What about your folks? My folks? My folks are too sophisticated to worry about practically a college man. Where can he be, Nat? I'm terribly worried. No, Essie, I told you, there's nothing to worry about. Richard's probably out catching a fish for breakfast or something. This may be the period when he eats nothing but what he catches himself. You should know your own son by this time. But going off without his breakfast, he's a growing boy. Uncle Sid didn't come down to breakfast either, Ma. Is Uncle Sid... Uncle Sid didn't come down to breakfast because he had a hangover. Arthur? Yes, Mother. And Mildred, finish your milk. Oh, I'm full, Ma. Can I go out now? I want to set off my firecracker. It's too early in the morning. Oh, let her go, Essie. Hey, thanks, Pa. Only see that you set off your firecrackers away... I don't know which is worse, Mildred banging doors or Richard trying to live like some character from Dostoevsky. That reminds me, Nat. I've been meaning to speak to you about those awful books Richard's been reading. Oh, not today, Essie. Not on the four. Well, you'll have to give him a good talking to, and today's as good a day as any. I'll go get them right now. I found out where he hid them, on the shelf in his wardrobe. Uh, pass the cream, will you, Arthur? Sure, Dad. Thank you. Uh, while we're on the subject, Dad... Now, I... Arthur, you're not going to tell me something fresh and horrible about Richard. I couldn't stand it. Well, it's pretty darn disgusting the way Richard's been mooning around that McCumber girl. Now, when I was his age... Well, I... Don't tax your memory, Arthur. Well, it's pretty darned embarrassing, I tell you, for a man to come home on his summer vacation from Yale and see his own kid brother... Why, Pa, he's making a darn fool of himself. Do you know what he's doing now? He's reading poetry to that girl in broad daylight. I can see how that would upset you. Well, it's pretty darn disgusting. Don't tell me who you're talking about. I know. Oh, good morning, Uncle Sid. Morning, Bula Bula. Guess I made a pretty disgusting picture at dinner last night, Nat. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Sid. <laughs> you were pretty funny, though, when you wore the lampshade on your head, Uncle Sid. Oh, <laughs> was Essie awful mad? Not especially. Lily acted kind of quiet, but uh, she didn't go home early the way she usually does when you're, uh... uh... You proposed to Lily over the lobster, Uncle Sid, Uh. and she said it was Providence that made her turn you down for a teaching job 16 years ago. And Arthur, didn't you say you were going to celebrate the 4th in a special way this year? What? Oh, yes. <clears throat> I'm uh, <clears throat> taking Ethel Rand canoeing. Well, don't you think you ought to start, son? You don't want to keep her waiting. Oh, that's true, too, isn't it, Dad? I, I guess I'd better get going. So long, folks. So long, son. And uh, if you see Richard anywhere, tell him to come home at once. Tell him I want to talk to him. <laughs> What the devil is that? That's it, is Richard. My youngest son is the only human being I know who can fall upstairs. Richard! Yes, Father? Come in here. Anything wrong, Father? Where have you been? Your mother's been worried to death about you. Woman's life is filled with fear. Each frightened moment lasts a year. Well, that puts things in their place. Just for this morning, Richard, will you try to spare us the full extent of your profundity? Where have you been? Watching the sun come up over the ocean. Alone? With Muriel McCumber. I was reading to her out of Carlyle's French Revolution. I'm sure she was fascinated. What's that, Uncle Sid? I'm glad you're reading Carlyle's son. It's a darn fine book. Have you read it, Pa? 
Uh, well, I'll tell you, Richard, sometimes even a broken-down old newspaper publisher can't get out of reading a book or two. Oh, Pa, I didn't mean... I know you... Say, isn't it a great book? That part about Mirabeau and Marat and Robespierre. Never you mind about Robespierre, young man. Where have you been? Oh, no place, Ma. He had to clock the sun in this morning, Essie. You, Sid, can be ashamed, too. Well, uh, uh, Promising to take Lily to the bonfire last night, then coming home, or... You may be my own brother, Sid, but I tell you, that's no way to treat your fiancée, even if you have been engaged for 16 years. I, I didn't mean to do it, Essie. I just stopped off for... I know what you stopped off for. Now, I think you'd want to make up to her. Something awful. But I do, Essie. I'm going to. Well, she's waiting on the back porch for you. Go ask her to come on an automobile ride. Tell her Nat's going to drive to the lighthouse. Oh, Essie. Sid and I are going to the Sachem Club picnic. The Sachem Club picnic isn't until later. Go on now, Sid David. Well... My own brother acting that way with his own fiancée. Well, sure, I said I was going to ask her anyhow. Gosh, you didn't think I wasn't going to ask her, did you? Mm. I was going to ask her How that woman has put up with him for all these years. Now, young man, where are those books? What books, Ma? You know very well what books. They were on the shelf in your wardrobe. Now you've gone and hid them somewhere else. You go right up and bring them to your father. Oh, but I... Oh, he doesn't really have to go and get them now, does he, Essie? We can look at them some other time. And besides, he has a right to keep his library to himself. Nat? Uh, well, that is, if they're not too, uh... What books are they, Richard? Oh, Paul. I'll tell you what books they are if he won't. There are two books there by that Oscar Wilde. The one there was all that hullabaloo about. don't remember what. There's some kind of ballad there about a fellow runs around killing his best friends. The Ballad of Red and Gold. One of the greatest poems ever written. Fine reading for a young boy. There were two books there, Nat, by that Bernard Shaw. And a book of poems by that Swinburne. Poems and ballads by Swinburne, Ma. The greatest poet since Shelley. Why, he tells the truth about real love. Love? Well, all I can say is if he wasn't flung in jail, a mistake's been made in justice. The things he says, Nat. But there was another one. Something called the Ruby... Uh, what is it, Richard? The Ruby out of Omar Khayyam. Hmm. That's the best of all. I've read that, Essie. Why, Nat? Matter of fact, there's some fine things in it, seems to me. True things. Well, Nat, I don't see how you... Gee, it's wonderful, isn't it, Pa? A book of verses underneath the bough. A jug of wine, a loaf of bread... And thou beside me singing in the wilderness. Did you have your breakfast, Richard? Oh, Ma, for Pete's sake, is that all you can think about, food? When a man's concerned with matters of the soul, Essie... All I asked was if he had his breakfast. Who cares about food? I had a slice of ham, a couple of eggs, a bowl of cornflakes, a banana, and a sardine sandwich, but who cares about food? Food means nothing to me. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. You want the wrench, Pa? Not yet, Dick. I've got to raise the auto first. Give me the jack handle, will you? Oh, here you are, Pa. You almost ready, Nat? Bessie wants to know. What's she say? It's Lily. She wants to know if you're almost ready, Ma's asking. Any minute, tell her. Any minute, Lily. Um... How many miles is it to the lighthouse, Pa, about? About 20 each way. I'll take the wrench now. Here, Pa. Boy, you sure have to be careful on a long trip like that. You sure don't want any tires blowing out, do you, Pa? Oh, Mildred and her firecrackers. Richard, you run tell her to take them out back. All right, Pa. Tell her to... Say, who's that coming up the walk? It's Mr. McCumber, Pa. Well, now, what do you suppose he'd want at this time of day? 
It's to complain about something, that I know. But what? Uh, I'd better go tell Mildred, Pa. Well, Dave McCumber, what good wind blows you around this glorious fourth? I regret to say, Nat, that it's something disagreeable. Disgraceful would be nearer the truth, and it concerns your son, Richard. Oh, come now, Dave. I'm sure Richard hasn't... He has, and I have proof of everything in his own handwriting. Well, now, hold on a minute. Proof of what? Just uh, what is it you're charging him with? With being dissolute and blasphemous and with deliberately attempting to corrupt the morals of my daughter, Muriel. Then I'm afraid I'll have to call you a liar, Dave. I thought you'd get around to that, so I brought the proofs with me. I've got them right here in my wallet. My wife found them in Muriel's handkerchief drawer. You'll see, they're all in his handwriting. Well, what's in his handwriting? What are you talking about? Muriel's confessed to me that he wrote them. You read them and then say I'm a liar. Here, read it. What the devil Definitely are you? you've been too busy to take the right care of Richard's upbringing, or what he's allowed to read. Look there. My life is bitter with thy love. Thine eyes blind me, thy tresses burn me, thy sharp sighs divide my flesh and spirit. <laughs> Why, you darn old fool. What, you... Can't you see that Richard's only trying to show what a young hellion he is? <laughs> Why, at heart, Richard is just as innocent and as big a kid as your Muriel. This stuff doesn't mean anything to me. And if you believe it could corrupt Muriel, then you must believe she's easily corrupt. Now you're insulting my daughter. I'm not insulting her. I'm giving her credit for ordinary good sense. I knew you'd prove obstinate, Nat. But I never dreamed you'd have the impudence to claim that your son was innocent of all wrongdoing after reading those papers. No, well, just what did you dream I'd do? Take and give that boy a hiding he'd remember to the last day of his life. I've had enough of this day. Now, you need to lose your temper. I'm only demanding you do your duty by yours as I've done by mine. I'm punishing Muriel, and yet she's blameless compared to that... I said I've had enough, Dave. You need to lay hands on me. I'm going. But don't think you're not going to regret this. I'm taking the advertisement for my store out of your paper. You can take your advertisement. And I'll tell you what else I'm doing. I'm going to see to it that my Muriel never sees your son again. And that's just fine with me, because I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to see to it that Richard never sees Muriel again. Richard? Muriel? Muriel! What is it, Father? Come in here. What's the matter, Pa? Plenty is the matter. I want you to write a letter. Doesn't want my advertisement, eh? Who do you want me to write a letter to, Pa? To Richard Miller. Dick? I want you to tell that young scoundrel that you're never going to see him again. Father! No one's going to call me a darn fool... You write as I say. But, but I don't have a pen. Well, use my pen. Mr. Richard Miller. I'll die, Paul. I'll die if I never see him again. It'll take more than the absence of Richard Miller to separate you from this earth. Mr. Richard Miller. Dear Dick. Mr. Richard Miller. Mr. Richard Miller. Here I am, Pa. I thought I told you, young man, to come back as soon as McCumber left. Didn't you hear me call? Maybe you've been hiding. I wasn't hiding, Pa. I... I was... Well, Mildred was making such a racket with the firecrackers, I just didn't hear you, Pa. It uh, wouldn't be that you heard what Mr. McCumber and I were talking about, would it? Well, I... He... I see you did. Now, Richard, 
I'm going to ask you a question. And I want a straight answer. Yes, sir. And I warn you beforehand, Richard, that if the answer is yes, I'm going to punish you and punish you hard because you'll have done something no boy of mine ought to do. But I don't believe even to save yourself punishment, you'd lie to me. I won't lie, Pa. Now, Richard, have you been... <clears throat> Dave McCumber said... Richard, have you been behaving toward Muriel in a way that you shouldn't? What do you mean, Pa? No! Well, what do you think I am, Pa? I, I never would. Why, I, I love her. I'm going to marry her after I get out of college. She said she would. We're engaged. All right. That's all I wanted to know. I don't see how you could think... Did that old idiot McCumber say that about me? <laughs> Shouldn't call your future father-in-law names, Dick. It ain't respectful. But you can't exactly blame old Dave, son, when you read through the stuff that you wished on his innocent daughter. What stuff? this. Oh, he found him, did he? Mm-hmm. Well, it'll do him good to read the truth about life for once and get rid of his old foggy ideas. Well, now, right there, Richard, I'm afraid I have to agree with him. This kind of literature is hardly fit reading for a young girl. It's not? No, it's not. It's all well enough, of course, in this way for you, or a man. I see your point, Pa. Oh, I only did it because I liked them. And I wanted her to face life as it is. She's so darn afraid of life, Pa. Afraid of this, afraid of that. Why, she's even afraid to let me kiss her. Mm, yes. I thought maybe reading those things... Well, they're giving her courage, Pa. They're giving her the spunk to lead her own life. After all, Pa, anybody who's going to marry me, they need courage, don't they? I'm afraid they do, Richard. I'm very much afraid they do. Now, hurry up, everybody. Lily, Sid, Essie, come on now. I've got the auto started. Now, get in first, Essie. All right, dear. Button up your duster, Lily. You like it? It's new. Richard! Where's Richard? Here I am, Ma. You sure you don't want to come along, Richard? It's a nice drive to the lighthouse and back. Well, thanks just the same, Pa. Driving to the lighthouse on the 4th of July may be a source of great excitement to the women. But personally, I think the whole business is very naive. Is that so? Yes, sir. Personally, I think the driving hey, somewhere... Pa! Richard! We're right here, Mildred. What are you bellowing about? Yes, what are you bellowing about? You shut up, Dick. Here's a letter for you. For me? What, mail on the 4th of July? A little boy brought it. Said it's from old man McCumber. Oh. What would Mr. McCumber be writing to me for? Why don't you open it and see? Oh, you mind your business. Uh, Richard, uh, maybe you better be prepared for a bit of a blow. Oh, a blow? Mm, if the letter says what I think it does. But never mind, son. There are a lot of other fish in the sea. Coming along, Mildred? Richard Miller, oh, I never wish to speak to you again. I would very truly yours, Muriel McCumber. The little coward. I hate her. I hate her. She can't treat me like that. I'll show her. Oh, gosh, I... I think I... My stomach's sick. Oh, darn Mildred and her darn firecrackers. You can't get any peace around here with that darn kid around. Darn the 4th of July anyway. I wish we still belonged to England.
Who's there? Hey, Art. That you on the porch, Arthur? It's me, Dick. Oh, hi, Wynn. Hi. How does it feel being home after a year at Yale? You know, Arthur was telling me about you and him having one heck of a... Keep it quiet, kid. Well, there's nobody can hear us. The whole family's gone off in my dad's automobile. Where's your brother? Arthur? Oh, he's out with Ethel Rand. Won't be home till about ten at least. Oh, fine. Just dandy. What's the matter, Wynn? Can I help? Well, can you keep your face shut? Oh, sure I can, Wynn. Well, listen, I ran into a couple of girls Art and I met in uh, New Haven. Oh, what are they doing here? Oh, they're visiting or something. Anyway, I dated them up for tonight. Both of them? Well, I thought I could catch Art. Now I'll have to pass them up. I'm, I'm nearly broke and I can't afford to blow them both to drinks. Well, I've got $11 saved up, Went, I could loan you some. Say, you're a good sport. No, 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 Nick's kid. I don't want to borrow your money. Hey, have you got anything on for tonight? Well, no. Want to come along with me? No, I'm not trying to get you into anything, kid. All you have to do is just sit with Belle while I'm dancing with Edith. Hey, you won't have to do anything. Not even take a glass of beer unless you want to. Oh, what do you think I am? A rube? You mean you're game, kid, for anything that's doing? Sure I am. Ever been out with any girls? Oh, sure I have. Ever drink anything besides sodas? Sure, lots of times. Uh, beer and slow gin fizz and, and Manhattans. Say, you know more than I thought. Can you fix it so you can be at the Pleasant Beach House tonight at half past nine? Sharp? Sure, that's easy. It's all set? All set. So long, kid. See you at the Pleasant Beach House. Half past nine. Sharp. So long, Wint. I'll show her. I'll show her she can't treat me the way she's done. I'll show them all. can predict with a great deal of confidence that in Act Two, shortly to follow, Richard will indeed show them all. There are fireworks ahead. Speaking for the Ford Motor Company now, Kenneth Banghart. If you set out to visit every community in the United States, you'd be traveling for a long time and you'd see a great many unfamiliar things. But in almost every community, you would see at least one familiar thing, the sign of a Ford or Lincoln Mercury dealer. And it wouldn't surprise you at all, because there's been a Ford dealer in nearly every part of America for at least 35 years now. You expect to see one wherever you go. But have you ever stopped to think of what it takes to be a Ford or Lincoln Mercury dealer? Probably not, although there are very definite requirements, and they're important to you. Before a man can obtain a Ford or a Lincoln Mercury dealership, he has to meet a number of requirements. He has to show the Ford Motor Company that he's a responsible citizen, well regarded in his community. He has to demonstrate that he's able and intelligent, capable of managing a sound business. He must have a spirit of responsibility to his customers and his community. And he has to be able to gather together a considerable amount of money for buildings, tools, equipment, parts, and employees' wages. The average investment today in Ford and Lincoln Mercury dealerships all over the country is many thousands of dollars. These requirements have to be met not only to obtain a dealership, but also to keep it. A dealer must continue to run his business with completely adequate facilities, efficient management, sound finances, and proper spirit. These things mean better service for you. They mean that wherever you go, you'll find a dealer qualified and equipped to serve you right. And they mean he'll be anxious to serve you. 
The more than 7,000 independent businessmen who are your Ford and Lincoln Mercury dealers know that their success depends on pleasing you. Their investment, their future, their jobs, and their employees' jobs, their whole business depends on making you a satisfied customer. And they know that very well. It's just common sense. Good service is good business. That's why you'll get good service when you go to your Ford or Lincoln Mercury dealer. The second act of the Ford Theater production of Our Wilderness will continue after a brief pause for station identification. in the year 1906. It's 11 hours later, 11 hours since Muriel's letter reached Richard, informing him that all is o'er between them. We find Richard now in the back room of a small and clearly disreputable hotel. The dingy room is lighted by two fly-specked globes in two fly-specked wall brackets set into the hideous saffron-colored fly-specked wallpaper. Here, beside the door marked family entrance blares a nickel-in-the-slot player piano. And here, sitting beside a beer-stained table, is Richard, forgetting it all with a lady known as Belle. <laughs> Aren't we having a nice time, Richard? Aren't we having a wonderful time? Sure, Belle. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. Now, you say, I'm having a wonderful time, Belle. Uh... I'm having a wonderful time, Belle. Well, then drink up your beer, why don't you? It's getting flat. Oh, I let it get that way on purpose. I I like it better when it's flat. <laughs> You're a scream kid, isn't he, George? Yeah. Bartenders are always called George. Yeah, he's a scream, all right. He's also a spender. My head's dizzy bringing you in drinks. Ah, oh, don't let him kid you, Dick. You show him. Loosen up and buy another drink. What do you say? Huh? Oh, sure. Excuse me. I, I was thinking of something else. See what the lady will have, and have one on me yourself, George. That's talking. Didn't I say you were a sport? I'll take a cigar on you. What's yours, kiddo? The same? Yeah. Make it a real one, will you? <laughs> I'll try, seeing it's you. What's yours? Another beer? Uh, a small one, please. I'm not thirsty. Say, honest, kid, are things that slow around here? Filling up on beer will only make you sleepy. Come on, have a man's drink. All right. I, I was going to anyway. Bring me a, a slow gin fizz. And make it good. You know what I mean? Something that'll warm him up, huh? Mm. Sure, I get you. Hey, anybody around? How about some service out here? Yeah, come on, come on. You know something? You're a very sweet kid. You're a very sweet kid. I think I could like you a lot. Uh, say, where did Wint go with your girlfriend? Out on the porch, holding hands. Oh, why don't you hold my hand, Dickie boy? Don't you like me? Well, sure I like you. Only... Only what? Well, it's only that I've got a, a weight on my mind. You have? Well, here, have a cigarette. That'll take it off. You smoke, don't you? What? Oh, oh, oh sure I do. Yeah, yeah, I've been smoking for years. Only I... At the moment, I... 
I don't happen to care for the weed. Well, suit yourself. Mm. This is more like it. Say, you know you oughtn't to inhale like that. Smoking's awful bad for girls. Gee, <laughs> kid, you're a scream. You'll grow up to be a minister yet. Look, Richard. Yes, Belle? Why do you want to be so unfriendly for? I'm not unfriendly. Why don't you put your arms around me, then? Oh, no, not that dead way. Hold me tight. I think you just don't like me. I do, too, like you. Then why don't you kiss me? You call that kissing? Here. (laughs) (laughs) What's the matter, honey boy? Haven't you ever been kissed like that before? (laughs) Uh, Sure, lots of times. Only I... I've sworn off. Sworn off kissing? I took an oath I'd be faithful. I've heard everything now. Ready for the drinks, Belle? Fix them up the way you said. And how I'm ready. Oh, come on, kid. At least show me you know how to drink. Bottoms up. All right. That's the way. Bottoms up. Another the same, George. Yeah, right. Nothing else to do. May as well drink. <coughs> hey, doesn't anybody live in this town? What do you do here? Pull in the streets at nine? Pull in the streets and roll up the sidewalks. What's your line? Chinaware. And if you're asking how's business, it's on ice. <laughs> Folks don't even eat around here. Um, there's something in the back room that might interest you. What's that? Swell little number. Take a tip. I think she's about ready for reinforcement. Oh, she's got company, don't she? Ah, dumb kid. I think she'd welcome a change. Well, maybe I ought to look into this. <laughs> Give us another shot, will you? Yeah, sure. And then tell Goldilocks to get ready for the great big bear. <laughs> But I wouldn't do such because I loved her too much. But I learned about women from her. Huh? Let's have another drink. You've had enough. You know, you're a nice girl, Belle. A very nice girl. But you, you oughtn't to leave this kind of life. Why don't you reform? Reform? Now, look here, I'm getting sick of you. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Hope I'm not butting in on your party back here, but my dogs were giving out standing at the bar. All right, with me. I got no party in. Oh, they cried. The world is wide. Hey, what is it, a child Uh, poet or a child actor? I don't know. It's got me guessing. Well, look, if you can shake the cradle Uh, off an act. All I do is pull my freight. Uh, Listen, kid, here's an old friend of mine, uh, Mr. Smith from New Haven. Huh? He just come in and I want to talk to him, see? Uh, You better go home. I'm never going home. I'll show them. Well, have it your own way. Pull up a chair, Mr. Uh, Smith. What kind of beer are you drinking, sister? Yet each man kills the thing he loves. By each... I did it with a kiss. I'm a coward. Oh, he's copped a fine skin for... Gee, he's hardly had anything. Oh, this gal of yours don't appreciate poetry, Sonny. But I'm the kid that eats it up. Come on, give us some more of the same. I don't believe you ever knew this lady in New Haven at all. You just picked her up now. That's what she did. You leave for alone, do you hear me? Listen to it, will you? This is going to be good. Curfew, Jack Dalton. 
If I won't unhand her, what then? I'll give you a good punch in the snoot, that's right. <laughs> help! 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 Hey, hey, what's going on in here? He's going to murder me! Uh, he's too darn fresh. Well, cut out the noise here. All of you. Uh, George. None of my business, George, but if I were in your boots, uh, <clears throat> he's underage, George. He told me he was over 18. And I tell you, I'm Teddy Roosevelt. Now, if you're not looking for trouble... Yeah. All right, son. On your way. Beat it. I will not beat it. I'll give him the bums rush, George. Let go of me, you dirty coward. Quiet now, or I'll pin a Marianne on your jaw that'll quiet you. Oh, you want to fight, do you? All right, come on. Come on, I'm game. Come on, fight. He's breaking up the furniture. That's what I'll do to you, Why, you look... You want to get tough, do you? All right. Come on, a fight. I'll fight any man in this room. Come on and fight. Something's happened to him, Nat. I just know something terrible's happened. Nothing's happened to him, Messy. I'm telling you he'll be home any minute. There's nothing to worry about. <sighs> What time is it now, Nat? It's, uh... Eleven o'clock. Well, eleven o'clock's not so late, Essie. Not on the 4th of July. Richard, come home yet? Not yet, Sid. I was just trying to tell her, Sid, nobody but a bunch of old fogies would be home before eleven on the 4th of July. If you don't stop talking 4th of July... There he is now. You see, I told Jessie there wasn't a thing to worry about. Greetings, all. Prodigal son is back. Oh, it's you, Arthur. Oh, I thought it was Richard. Isn't he home... Say, he oughtn't to be allowed out this late at his age. What, when I was his age... We know all I, about that, Arthur. He's right. He's right. You don't know what might have happened to him. You read in the papers every day about boys getting run over by automobiles. Why don't you do something? Why don't you go out and find him? Well, I was going to go out and look anyway if he wasn't back by 12 sharp, but if it leaves your mind... Now, that's him. I know that's him. It falls like him. Richard? Oh, oh thank heaven. Well, darn him. I'll give him the devil for worrying us like this. Richard! Everybody. Richard. Oh, my goodness, what's happened to him, Nat? He's gone crazy. <laughs> crazy nothing. <laughs> He's soused. Drink, for you know not whence you come, nor why. Drink. Richard, how dare you? Don't you strike him, Nat. Steady now, Nat. The boy don't know what he's doing. And then, at ten o'clock... Eiler Loveborg will come <laughs> with vine leaves in his hair. <laughs> Richard, you're intoxicated, you bad, wicked boy, you. He's a mess. Oh, me? Why, I... 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 Oh, I feel rotten, Dick. My baby. Let me uh, handle this, Essie. All right now, boy. You'll be all right now. Dad, he's sick. You let me take care of this, Essie. I know this game backwards. Essie, I ought to be back at the office. Now, if he doesn't come down in a few minutes... Now, you're not going back without seeing him, Nat Miller. Well, of course I'm not. Good heavens, what do you think I came all the way home from the office for in the middle of the day? To give him a piece of your mind. You are the symbol of the morning after, Nat. Thanks, Sid, for the kind words. Now, Essie, I'm perfectly willing to talk to Richard, but I can't if he isn't here. Now, where is he? Well, he's still in bed. Still in bed? I made him stay in bed to punish him. I thought he ought to anyway after being so sick. He'll be all right, Essie. I remember when I was his age, I If I could... was in your shoes, Sid, I'd keep still. His own uncle, no wonder. <laughs> Richard must be feeling better, though, Nat. 
she ate all the dinner I took up. I thought you weren't going to give him any dinner to punish him. Well, in his weakened condition, I thought it best. But I've given him pieces of my mind he won't forget. I've kept reminding him his real punishment was still to come. And that he'd learn you can be terrible stern when you want to. Yes. Shall I go now and tell him to get dressed? You want to see him? Well, yes. I can't waste all day here. Now, you keep your temper, Nat. Remember. Hey, Sid. This is serious, Sid. Huh? What? This is a lot more serious than Essie has any idea. What do you mean, Nat? What do you mean, uh, more serious? There, uh, was a girl mixed up with Richard Spree last night. How do you know? There was a man up at the Pleasant Beach house there, same time Richard was there, salesman. Uh, Richard was at the Pleasant Beach house? Yes, that's where he was, Sid. And this salesman knows a man who knows one of the men at the plant, and he told him. Well, this is serious, Nat, with a boy like Dick, especially. Oh, darn it. I've got to have a straight talk with him about women and such. I ought to have a long time ago. <laughs> yes, you ought, Nat. Well, I tried to, Sid, a couple of times, but, heck, I always sort of get, uh... I can't ever seem to get started right. Well, here comes the bad man, I guess. Well, now's the time to talk, Nat, and you better tell him, you know, uh, what's what. Mm, guess I better. I'm sorry, Nat, but he was sound asleep, and I didn't have the heart to wake him. Well, I'll now, be... don't you lose your temper, Nat Miller. You know, as well as I do, he needs all the sleep he can get after last night. Do you want him to be taken down sick? Well, I'll be eternally... You certainly take the cake, Essie. Bring a man all the way home on a busy day. I'm going back to the office where things make sense. But I'm coming home to supper, Essie Miller. And when I do, I want that boy downstairs and waiting. And what I'll have to tell him will blister the horns off the devil himself. Intermission. While Richard sleeps and the household worries. For the Ford Motor Company, once more... Kenneth Banghart. When you want to have something done for your Ford, no matter what it is, take it to your Ford dealer. That's only logical because your Ford dealer knows your Ford best. Fords are his business. He knows how to care for them. And what's more, he's prepared and equipped to give you the best service. If you visit the service department of your Ford dealer, you'll notice that he has much special Ford equipment. Tools and machines designed especially for use on Ford cars. You'll see equipment like the diagnosis test set, an ignition stroboscope, a complete electrical laboratory on wheels designed to detect causes of car troubles quickly and accurately. Or you may see equipment that uses a photoelectric cell to measure the brightness of headlights or special Ford wheel aligning equipment. In all, there are about 200 pieces of special equipment and tools which Ford service engineers have helped design so that your Ford will get better and quicker service. You'll notice that your dealer has genuine Ford parts and Ford-approved accessories, too. That means that the replacements you buy will be built to Ford specifications, made right to fit right and last longer. And you'll find that your dealer's mechanics are Ford-trained, that they know the factory-approved methods of servicing your car, methods worked out by the men who planned and made your Ford. These are ways in which your Ford dealer is prepared to serve you better. He can give you this fine service, and he will, because he values your business. The same thing goes for Lincoln Mercury dealers. They are prepared to give you the best service on your Mercury or Lincoln. They also have special equipment, specially trained mechanics, and genuine parts. And they also are anxious to serve you. Next time, go to the man who knows your car best. 
your Ford or Lincoln Mercury dealer. He'll make you a satisfied customer if you give him the chance. has been constructed with loving care by Sylvia Cyril, one of a group of veteran radio writers working with the management of the Ford Theater to bring to the air all types of dramatic entertainment. For the benefit of newcomers to this playhouse, I'd like to stress that word all once more. In the weeks ahead, you will find here radio versions of movies, stage plays, novels, and operettas, as well as revivals of past radio successes and new plays commissioned to be written especially for radio and the Ford Theater. Next week, for example, we shall present our first Ford original. Critics of radio have complained that the broadcast medium has produced few dramatic writers of important stature during its 25 years of existence. The management of the Ford Theater has attempted, by offering high rewards in both money and prestige, to encourage original work of high caliber aimed directly at radio production. The first result is next week's play... The Power and the Glory, by Hector Chevigny. The Power and the Glory is a serious drama about politics and prejudice, involving a conflict between political pressure and academic freedom in the medical school of an American state university. Be sure to listen to Mr. Chevigny's play next Sunday. And I believe our curtain is about to rise now on the third act of Our Wilderness. after 16-year-old Richard Miller tried to forget his broken heart at the pleasant beach house, has dropped into a hot July afternoon. But the culprit has not yet made his appearance. Now it is three o'clock in the afternoon, and Richard's Uncle Sid and Uncle Sid's fiancée, Lily, are sitting on the porch of the Miller home. Pretty hot even on the porch here, isn't it, Lily? Want me to go get your fan? No. No, thanks, Sid. I don't have the heart to feel the weather today. Oh, now listen, Lily. You're not sitting here worrying I about... I certainly am. A 16-year-old boy. Well, jumping Jehoshaphat, you're almost worse than Essie. You don't think Richard would turn into a... to a... I don't know what I think anymore, Sid. What do you mean? Here comes Arthur. Hello, Lily. No, Hi, Arthur. Oh, Arthur. Isn't it a scorcher? Say, I'll bet it's the hottest July 5th in the history of this town. Uh, Richard come down yet? No, not yet, Arthur. Good gosh, it's 3 o'clock. How long's he gonna hide out? Guess he's waiting till the fireworks die down. Well, they won't, Uncle Sid. I, I guarantee that. Why, if I'd done what he did when I was his age, I doubt if I'd be in Yale today. The effect on Yale would be too horrible to contemplate. Uh, what's that, Uncle Sid? It's Richard. Well, the bad man himself. <laughs> How's my fellow rum pot? Oh, let's not go into that, Uncle Sid. Hello, Lily. Hello. Boy, you sure were a mess last night. What's it to you? Mm, nothing at all. Except that as the head of this family, uh, after Dad, and as the man whose footsteps you're supposed to be following into Yale next year... Oh, I... Yale. What's so great about Yale? All you do is talk about Yale. Well, you'll find out what's so great about Yale. Arthur... Will you go next door and get me my fan, please? You'll find it somewhere on the buffet. All right. 
But I know Pa's going to have something to say about this when he gets home, and it won't be funny. You, um, you gave the family quite a turn last night, Dick. What's everybody so excited about? Well, now, maybe I'm the last man in the world who's got a right to talk, Richard. I guess I am, but what you did last night... I was desperate, Uncle Sid. Even if she wasn't worth it, I was wounded to the heart. Yeah, well, I like to the quick better myself. It's more stylish. However, This I... is no laughing matter, Sid. Well, Lily, I didn't say it was a laughing matter. You've got I... to stop, Richard, before it's too late. Well, stop what? Even if you won't think of yourself, Richard. Even if you won't think of the disgrace you'll be bringing on your innocent family, think of Muriel. Muriel? Oh, Lily. You'll break her heart, Richard, and you won't know it till it's too late. You don't know, Richard. You don't know the shame and agony of being in love with a drinking man. Lily... Day after day, you keep telling yourself you'll change. You'll be different now. But he's not, Richard. He never is. And all that happens is that you get older and older, and one day you wake up and you... She's got nothing. She's all alone, and her best friend is saying, Poor old Muriel, still waiting at her age. Oh, where's Arthur with that friend? Gosh, what's she talking about? Do you know, Uncle Sid? I think I can guess, Dick. Dick! Hey, Richard! Oh, here I am. For Pete's sake, what do you always have to be yelling for? What's everybody looking so gloomy about? Something happened? What'd you want Dick for, Mildred? I have another letter for him. I was passing by Muriel McCumber's house. Oh, Muriel? Let me have it. Well, don't grab. Honestly, he gets crazier and crazier every day. Uncle Sid. What's the matter, Dick? You're not going to be sick again, are you? She's going to see me, Uncle Sid. At nine o'clock tonight, she... She's going to see me. Oh, it must be nearly nine. Why does Muriel show up? Gosh, now, did she write nine or ten? Hmm, nine, all right. Oh, darn it, I wish she'd show up. I'll have to memorize a new poem for her. Recite it to her next time. Oh, there's nine now. She couldn't get away. She was caught. Oh, gee, I sure hate to go home without having seen her. Oh, who ever heard of a woman being on time? I ought to know enough about life by this time to... There she is. Oh, gosh. And lo, my love, mine own soul's heart. I mustn't let her know I'm so tickled. If women are too sure of you, they treat you like slaves. Hello, dear. Oh, uh, hello. Is it nine already? I bet you've forgotten I was even coming. Oh, no, no, no. I hadn't forgotten. But um, I got to thinking about life. Well, you might think of me for a change, Dick Miller. After all the risks I've run making this date and sneaking out, you didn't take the trouble to sneak any letter to me, I noticed. No, because after your first letter, I thought everything was dead and passed between us. And I'll bet you didn't care one little bit. Oh, I was a fool ever to come here. I've got a good notion to go right home and never speak to you again. No, don't go, Muriel, please. I didn't mean anything like that. Honest, I didn't. Gee... 
If you knew how broken-hearted I was by that first letter. I don't believe you. I swear. Oh, gosh, Muriel, you're pretty tonight. Can't I... Won't you let me kiss you now, please? No, you mustn't. Oh, why can't I? Aren't you ever going to let me? I will. Sometime. When? Soon. Maybe. Tonight, will you? I'll see. Promise? I promise. Maybe. All right. You remember you promised. Oh, Dick, you have no idea what I went through to get here tonight. And you don't realize what I've been through for you. And what I did last night. What your letter made me do. What did my letter make you do? Never mind. Let the dead past bury its dead. Oh, you just have to tell me, Dick. Well, after your old man... Uh, after your father left our place, I caught the deuce from Pa. Dick, you mustn't swear. Well, that's the only way I can describe my feelings. And on top of that, I got your letter. Oh, Pa made me write it, Dick. He stood right over me and told me each word to write. I thought your love for me was dead. So I said to myself, what difference does it make now what I do? I may as well forget her and lead the pace that kills. You know, I had $11 saved up, but I thought, she's dead to me now, and why shouldn't I throw it away? Oh. Well, I've still got almost five left, Muriel. But, but tell me what you did. Well, after it was dark, I sneaked out and went to a low dive I know about. Dick Miller, I don't believe you ever did. Oh, you asked them at the Pleasant Beach House if I didn't. They won't forget me in a hurry. Why, that's a terrible place. Well, I said it was a dive, didn't I? There wasn't anyone there but a Princeton senior I know. And he had two chorus girls from New York with him. And they were all drinking champagne. Dick Miller, I hope you didn't notice... Oh, I I noticed one of the girls. The one that wasn't with him. She was looking at me. She had strange-looking eyes. And then she asked me if I wouldn't drink champagne with them and and come and sit with her. (laughs) She must have been a nice thing. Her name was Belle. She had golden hair. The kind that burns and stings you. And she kept smoking one cigarette after another. Oh, but that's nothing for a chorus girl. She was low and bad. And then what happened? Oh, we just kept drinking champagne. And uh, then I had a fight with the barkeep and knocked him down because he insulted her. Why did you fight for her? Why didn't that Princeton senior... Oh, he was too drunk by that time. And were you drunk? Only a little then. Oh, I was worse later. Boy, you ought to have seen me when I got home. I was on the verge of delirium treatments. I'm glad I didn't see you. I hate people who get drunk. I'd have hated you. What happened with that... bell after... before you went home? Oh, we kept drinking champagne, and, uh, she kissed me. Oh? Oh, but it was only all in fun. Did you kiss her? No, I didn't. You did, too. You're lying. You know it. And here I was wondering how I was ever going to see you again and crying my eyes out while you... Oh, I hate you. I wish you were dead. I never want to lay eyes on you again, and this time I mean it. Goodbye. Muriel. Forever. Muriel, wait. Listen. Oh, I'm ruined. Well, darn it, Essie, I haven't finished reading the paper. Can't I sit inside? Why do I have to wait on the porch? Because, Nat Miller, I don't want you to miss Richard again. You've been promising me you'd talk to him all day now. Well, good grief, I tried to, didn't I? I came home from the office just to talk, didn't I? Now, where was he at supper? Well, he ran off to meet Muriel. 
Mildred brought another letter. I'm beginning to think that girl should never have learned to write. Oh, here he is now. Coming up the walk. Now, Nat, he can't get out of it this time. It's for his own sake. Say, he doesn't look too chipper, does he? He does look odd again. Nat, you don't suppose he's been... No. It's love, not liquor this time. You better leave us alone for a while, Essie. I'll wait inside. Call me if you want me. Well, young man. Oh, Park. I, I didn't see you sitting there. How the vine leaves in your hair tonight. You turned out to be poison ivy, didn't they? I know, Park. Now, Richard, I'm not going to read you any temperance lecture because in spite of your foolishness last night, I'm still giving you credit for having brains. I know I was a fool, Park. Not only a fool, but a downright... Stupid, disgusting fool. It was bad enough to let me and your Uncle Sid see you, but to appear like that before your mother... I know, Pa. Now, um... What about that girl at the Pleasant Beach House? Belle? Well, how did you know about Belle, Pa? I was shocked, Richard, I don't mind saying. I know, Pa. In my day, a man didn't uh, kiss a girl he wasn't practically engaged to. I know, Pa. Richard? Yes, Pa? Richard, it's about time you and I had a serious talk. Yes, Pa. There are certain things uh, pertaining to certain matters that pertain... To... Yes, Pa? <clears throat> well, now that the subject's come up of its own accord, it's a good time. I, I mean, there's no use in procrastinating further, so here goes. <clears throat> Richard? Yes, Pa? Richard, you've now come to the age when... Uh, and it's only natural for you to have certain, uh... I mean, here's what I'm driving at, Richard. I mean, your whole life might be ruined if, uh... So, darn it, you've got to know that. I, I mean, uh... Well, now that we've talked it all over, Richard, do you have any questions? I do, Pa. One. Oh, you do, huh? Uh, well, what is it? How do you make a girl forgive you? Muriel sore at me. How do you... Oh, how do you... Well, you act like a man, Richard. You go to her and you tell her that you made a mistake, frankly and honestly. You tell her you were wrong and you're sorry. And I think maybe she'll forgive you. Well, gee, Pa, thanks. I'll go right over. Gee, that makes everything all right, doesn't it? I guess it does, son. It's all right now, Essie. Come on out. Everything's going to be all right. Tell me that. Oh, I'd better hurry, Pa. I... Gosh, you do know about some things, don't you, Pa? <sighs> Not many, son, but I try. Why, son? You're a man, Pa. Good night. Good night, Ma. Good night, son. Oh, it's a lovely night, isn't it, Matt? Moon's way down low, almost setting. You saw what he did, Essie? You saw what Richard did? Yes, Nat. He kissed you. I don't believe in kissing between fathers and sons after a certain age, as he seems mushy and silly. But at a time like this... Well, that, that meant something, didn't it, Essie? Yes, it did, Nat. I guess no matter what life will do to him now, he can take care of it. Can't he, Essie? Yes, Nat. Gonna turn out the lights. Already? Let her go, Gallagher. There he goes. Like love's young dream. 
Say, what is it that Rubaiyat says? Yet, ah, that spring should vanish with a rose, that youth's sweet-scented manuscript should close. Well, spring isn't everything, is it, Essie? There's a lot to be said for autumn. Autumn's got beauty, too. And winter, if you're together. Yes, Ned. It certainly is. Next week, an event of considerable importance in the progress of broadcast drama. Hector Chevigny's Ford Theater original, The Power and the Glory. Our Wilderness was adapted by Sylvia Ciro, edited by Howard Teichman, with continuity by George Faulkner. The musical score was written and conducted by Lynn Murray, and the entire production was under the direction of George Zachary. Richard Miller was played by Raymond Ives, Nat Miller by Eric Dressler, Mrs. Miller by Anne Seymour, and Muriel McCumber by Rosemary Rice. The other players were Alan Bunce, Frank Dane, Elsie Hitz, Evelyn Juster, Lorna Lynn, James McCallion, Edgar Staley, Frank Thomas, and Chuck Webster. pleasant hour listening to the comedy of the good old days. But we all know that these are not good days for millions of people in Europe. There is certainly nothing good about starvation. So may I remind you that every one of us can help them just by being careful and cooperating with food, with the food saving program. It's very simple. Eat no meat on Tuesdays, no poultry or eggs on Thursdays. Save a slice of bread a day and waste nothing. It's very simple but it's very important. And now, this is Howard Lindsay saying good afternoon for the management of the Ford Theater. Next week, the power and the glory. The Ford Theater is presented by the Ford Motor Company, makers of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, and Ford trucks, tractors, and buses. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.